As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. How do I sound now? I sound okay? Did you ask Pop that question? Let's do it. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. It's a scary, scary times, man. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's a grip ago, man. Ready to rock and roll, everybody. We're back with Hoops Adjacent, back in towns after being on remote in Vegas last week. David Aldrich in D.C. Marcus is back in the Bay. What is up, sir? You know, uh, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is not It is not quite hot. It's warm enough. Like, man, I, I have forgotten what perfect Bay Area weather is like. Coming off Vegas, it was so hot. You know what I'm saying? And then we got here, and it was crazy hot, and then it was cold. But we've hit our summer stride. Like, it is 68, not a cloud in the sky. You can wear whatever you want. Like, this is is why we here, yo. This is why rent is high as hell and can't nobody afford to live here because That's this is perfect weather. everybody lives 75 miles from downtown. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, this, is why, <laughs> this is why people live in valleys and on mountains out here because my, it's so perfect. My boy my boy used to work for the Pac-10 network. He told me to, he told me he had to, his spot was 80 miles from, from where he worked. I'm like, damn, Listen, that's every day? That was me. I used oh. to drive an hour to work when I covered the Warriors, I lived. I had to live yeah. an hour and away because I couldn't afford to live here. So my Damn. first five years on the beat, I was living an hour away. You were in the car. You know what I'm saying? Sleeping in the car. Yeah, you know I'm saying I'm, I'm driving. I literally learned how to drive with my knees because right. I needed. You know, I'm driving home. You get out the game twelve thirty, and I got an hour drive. So right, I'm like, right, let's right. see how far I can get without touching the steering wheel. I was playing little. <laughs> Playing games like that with myself. That's how far, that's how long I was driving. Now I know how to drive with my knees, though, so it's all good. <laughs> you learned a skill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. Got a great guest this week. Our man, Joan Buha, who covers the Lakers for us, host of the Stargazing podcast. Who uh, Remind me who you had on last year. Y'all got season two. You've been renewed. Who'd you have last year? Yeah, we had a bunch of people. We had uh, Ronnie 2K, Vince the Barber, Daryl Ann yep. from uh, Clutch Sports. Uh, it was a it was a fun fun first season. I'm looking forward to season two. I know so who you got to you- get, man. You got to get Brownie Blends. Okay, that's my uh, guy from the, the town. Yeah, him and oh, Vince the Barber okay. type. But yeah, you got to get Brownie okay. on. He got some great so stories. What, what did you want to What did you want to get out of that pod? And 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 what are you still looking forward to doing next year? Well, I think uh, especially being out in LA, which is probably the epicenter of the NBA and, and NBA culture. Uh, I've just come in contact with so many different people that, uh, you know, have almost become pseudo celebrities in their own right. And they all have these interesting stories and um, they're all kind of in the NBA ecosystem, hanging out with players, working with them. And I just felt like I wanted to create a platform where I could give them um, a a voice and, and let them share their journey. And I think uh, you know, the, the to me, the, the most interesting interview, which I know Jade loved, was uh, Rich Fresh, who went from being homeless Rich to a millionaire, creator <laughs> uh, cr- yeah. of the Henry yeah. Mask, uh, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of players in the NBA, Rock, LeBron, Russ, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But, 
he he was homeless and you know he he had drug problems and money problems and uh you know he was like a year from now i want to be a millionaire and i don't know how i'm going to figure it out but uh i'm going to do it and he did it and uh you know he's he's a celebrity designer designed for justin bieber and the weekend and uh you know the a-list celebrities but uh it just so happened that he created this mask during the pandemic and it went viral and um you know lebron started wearing it and and he was kind of the the first big athlete to co-sign it but uh from there just kind of took off where now it's uh you know according to him the uh kind of the most successful mask brand currently and if, if you just see it you know, around there's so many athletes and celebrities wearing them. So, uh, just stories like that, I, I found. Man, forget the really mask. I want one of them twelve thousand dollars sweatsuits. Yeah, <laughs> the tracksuit, the rich fresh tracksuits. I'm like, yo, right? he's he's like, I'm designing these like it, these intricate tracksuits, and I'm like best known for making this mask during the pandemic. <laughs> right. I, I remember. Uh, I think Steph wore one, and I looked it up, and it was like prices starting at twelve thousand. I was like, started like. That's crazy. That's, that's, it's so that's, long that's, ago. That's out my league, man. I ain't got that. I remember when, when Scotty Pippen had the tracksuits that everybody was wearing for like five minutes, and they were like five hundred dollars, and we thought that's crazy. How could anybody spend five hundred dollars for a tracksuit? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just want like I'm 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 at a double disadvantage. First, I'm old, and second, I live on the East Coast. So this whole world is everything you say to me. Anybody that you mention, with other than Ronnie Two K, who everybody knows, but you know. It's so fascinating to me that there's this whole ecosystem that I know nothing about that has that's that's part of the NBA that's a big part of the NBA and I know part of it is 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 generational but what have you found about the types of people that find their niche what's the common denominator with them that find their niche in the new NBA in the in the younger NBA I think the the biggest thing is just grinding. Like uh, Daryl Ann, who's with Clutch Sports, he was he, he really wanted to cover the NBA, cover the Lakers. Grew up a big Lakers fan, and he was doing wedding photography to pay his bills. And he'd be like going to weddings for an entire weekend, and then driving from Orange County to to Staples Center to cover games and uh, you know covering every practice he could. And he ended up going viral because LeBron took a practice shot. Uh, that, that he posted and and put it on his Instagram and tagged him, and yeah. that was his lucky break. He you know gained twenty plus thousand followers just off of that tag, and then that actually led to him ultimately working with Clutch Sports because Rich Paul saw that and you know ended up reaching out to him. So I think really everyone kind of has that that common grind of there's really no path. To, I mean, I, I think even all three of us have, have different paths to being on this podcast right now. And th- there's no real blueprint in this industry, be it media or being a photographer, a barber, a stylist. Uh, but everyone, you know, I, I think that the one common thing is everyone loves basketball and yeah. they made this a priority of like, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And of course, lucky breaks along the way, people having certain connections uh, certainly has helped. But I think the, the one common denominator was everybody basically started from zero and figured out a way to work their way into the industry and learning from other people, uh, it, you know, is a big part of it too. But, um, it, it was to me, like, I, I like, uh, you know, like the, the, the Tim Ferriss show and, and stuff like that, where you find people's journeys and, and kind of where they got to where they are now. And, uh, that to me, what was kind of the inspiration behind the podcast of let's get people's journeys, uh, on record and, you know, shine some light on them. I feel like we have a few generations of sports media covered here <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, I would like for you as, I don't want to call you a young beat writer because I don't think you're as young as you look. Like you've been doing this, you know, a significant amount of time, right? Like obviously not as much as David Aldridge, but you're not, you're not like second year. But the way the landscape has changed and the information flow has changed and it's gotten so uh, competitive with how to get information. I remember using the type of guys you're talking about for stargazing to get info and to develop those sources because you kind of got to start there as a young writer. You're not going straight to the top. You're not getting the GM. You're not getting the owner. You kind of got to work your way up. Uh, How is that for you? And 
like where are you on this food chain do you do you find that you know that's still the easy place to to get information without battling at the top at the top with you know because mm-hmm. now if we are being frank about it we're being honest about it it's not necessarily about how good you are right it's about who you work for who you connected to all this stuff yep. is a largely preordained <laughs> do you find this is a good way to find information and find stories while you know just being a writer trying to make it and not in that you know that kind of closed off area for purposes that have nothing to do with ability yeah d- definitely uh i think you know, especially when I started with the Clippers, that was kind of how I worked my way up through the organization. And in terms of just sourcing and and getting to know people, was you start with uh, the equipment people and the lower level scouts and uh, the the video guys and uh, you know the the assistant trainers and stuff like that. So I think you definitely have to to work your way up. Uh, in terms of just relationship building and, and sourcing with, I, I think, the smaller people first. Uh, so, you know, smaller w- within the organizational hierarchy. Uh, but I think w- with the Lakers, it's they don't have as big of a staff as, as the Clippers. So already, I, I think you're, yeah. you're kind of starting up a, a little bit higher there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think being a newer beat writer, at least on this beat, um, and starting it in the pandemic, I mean, there was definitely challenges of like, I, I didn't meet Rob Polinka my first season on the beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't even, I didn't even meet Frank Vogel my first season on the beat. So, hmm. uh, you know, th- there was definitely some limitations there, but yeah, I mean, I think these types of people can, can certainly be, be valuable and helpful, um, because it, it is tough. Like that, that, that's been, a, you know, that, that, I think that is the biggest challenge in today's age of reporting is just, you know, finding reliable information, but, but also, you know, getting access to the people that you, you know, have the reliable information. And, uh, it is a very, you know, it's very tiered of, you know, are you a national reporter or, or you know, are you at this outlet, are you at that outlet? Uh, so it, it's certainly a challenge, but I think it, you, you start with, with the, the smaller people and, um, you know, I, I think hopefully you, you start to, to break some news and, and report stuff that, you know, people uh, find valuable and, and that kind of starts to, to make a name for yourself that way. That's why I was saying, like, it's not I don't want to make it seem like, hey, man, in 10 years, you'll be there. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not really about your ability, per se. Yeah. But what one thing I've noticed about you is that even when you start small, I don't really I don't really like that term. because It just feels weird you know, saying it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you do find that there's some great stories in there, right? Like, it's almost like you use them as a way to work your way in, but they also, they maintain value to you as a writer, right? It's not like, all right, now I'm talking to the general manager. I no longer need to talk to these guys, but it seems like you've, you found that, Hey man, this is kind of a a treasure trove here that we, that we probably shouldn't abandon. Yeah. And and to, you know, to, to be clear too, like, I, I think there's also, like those are the people I think you you build genuine relationships and friendships with. Where I think at the front office, higher levels, it, it is more transactional, and you you can be friendly. But at the end of the day, it's reporter and, and you know GM or or whoever in the front office. Uh, but I think with, with those other people, like you guys are kind of more on a similar level of like you know they. Uh, you know, some of them, they barely talk to the GM or, or, you know, the owner or, or the head coach, like, you know, they're kind of in a similar boat of like, you know, you might actually interact with those people more than they do. Uh, so I think uh, on some level too, like there's just a, a genuine, uh, kind of, you know, chance to, to form a bond with those people that it's not just for the sourcing or, or for, you know, context, background information. It, It is just, you know, you're seeing them every day and you know, yep. you're traveling to the same spots and you guys will go get dinner, grab a beer. And, um, you know, yes, there's always the reporting element of that, but there's also a relationship element that, you know, they kind of become your, your friends to some extent. Let's, let's, I want to talk about, you wrote a really good piece. I thought the other day in the athletic about the very, very unusual public kind of split between Russell Westbrook and his agent, Thad Fouché. And, and, and for people who don't know, Thad Fouché has been Russell's agent from minute one since he came out of college at UCLA, all through Oklahoma City and all of his stops in between. And 
the one thing that is as quiet and as uninterested in the public spotlight as any prominent agent I've, I've known. And he's worked with Arn Tellen forever and now, you know, has done this, done great stuff on his own for years. And so it was, it was shocking to see him send a statement basically divorcing himself from Russell Westbrook out in public. That's crazy because it's just not, I mean, if he is the last person I would say is going to put that out there like that. Um, So you wrote a a really good nuanced story about it, Jovan. And I wanted to ask you about like, why do you think he did that? Why do you think he wanted everybody to know I'm not representing Russell Westbrook anymore and here's why. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, I mean, I I think ultimately it it comes down to... um... I mean, it was really shocking to me and I spoke to people around the organization that were shocked by not necessarily them splitting because I think there had been, it had maybe been building toward that. I mean, obviously this doesn't just happen overnight that you you guys split like that, but just the the manner in which it happened and, you know, you both have been covering the league longer than I have, but like, I cannot remember an agent publicly splitting with a player in this manner and like releasing a five paragraph statement basically saying the player lacks self-awareness and I'm trying to advise him for what I think is best for his career. And and he wants something else. Like I've never seen that before. So uh, I think part of it was he wanted to kind of get out, you know, it was going to obviously come out that they were splitting. And I think he wanted to tell his side of the story first uh, because sometimes with these things, the first narrative is like, we, we still haven't heard from Russ. He, he liked a tweet uh, that said, uh, this had nothing to do with the Lakers situation. You know, that's cap. And he liked that tweet. So clearly like he's saying it seems to be more of a personal thing or at least not related to the Lakers situation. But, uh, you know, Thad set the narrative, right? Like he, he came out and uh, he told his side of the story. And uh, I also think I'm, I'm sure on, on both sides, like there has to be some hard feelings here because from everything I had heard through the years, like they were two of the closer player agent uh, like they had a very close player agent relationship Absolutely. and the yes. way Thad operated, as you said, like very out of the spotlight and, and not one of these guys that, um, you know, was really out there. You know, th- there are some agents that we know that are more in the spotlight and, and more, mm-hmm. you know, sitting courtside or, or kind of they're playing the game a little bit uh, pregame. Like Thad was very behind the scenes. So I do think that, uh, you know, and anytime there's a mutual parting of ways, I think, I think it's more so one side than the other. It's never really 50% mutual. So I, I'm guessing kind of reading the, the tea leaves here, like it was more from Russ's side, obviously. I, I don't think, you know, I'm sure Thad would, would love to still represent him. But so I think he just wanted to tell his side of the story, set the narrative first. Uh, but it was pretty shocking. And, and I'm sure on some level he, he's hurt by the situation. And, you know, when, when you're upset, you, you, you might do stuff that that's kind of, uh, out of character, but I, I don't know. Cause, Cause that was one thing, you know, some people were upset and they're like, he shouldn't have done that. And, and, you know, he shouldn't have come out and said that. But at the same time, like it, you know, I think they were so close that there was just some hard feelings there. And, and I, I think he wanted to, to clear the air. And so, I, you know, does that indicate, as, as I think you, you inferred in the story and I, and I tend to agree with you that, that, if there's a Westbrook trade, it's not going to wind up with Westbrook being on that team, that he's going to be a free agent, for lack of a better term, very quickly after he's traded wherever he's traded, if he's traded. And does that speak to Russ maybe not being aware of 
what he is and who he is and how he's viewed around the league right now. 100%. And that was something that was clear, I thought, you know, most in his exit interview. And I don't know if you guys saw the quotes or, or the video from that, but that was just, it was incredibly cringeworthy because, you know, he he was saying on one hand, he's like, oh, you know, I didn't have the season I wanted. I, you know, I, I take accountability. But then the entire press conference, he was throwing everybody else under the bus. I mean, he, he threw Frank Vogel. He threw the entire <laughs> Lakers. He's like, I never felt welcome from day one here. And then he even threw LeBron and AD under the bus where, you know, someone asked him, LeBron and AD both said multiple times throughout the season, let Russ be Russ. And, and we want Russ to, to be himself. We, we want to figure out what's the best way to incorporate his skill set into what we do. And he was like, yeah. come on, that wasn't true. Like they, they never did that. So like he wanted everybody, uh, you know, he, he unloaded the clip in his exit interview. And I, I thought that again, and like the one thing he said about his performance was he was like, well, I, I averaged a triple double last year. I didn't do that this year. So by that measure, like I didn't have a good season. And it's like, if you're judging your performance solely off of averaging a triple double, you're completely missing the point. And from stuff I heard last season, like during film sessions, he, he would you know push back on stuff that was very obvious of like, hey, you missed this defensive rotation. He you know yeah. he he did not like being the center of attention in those film sessions uh, and, and stuff like that. So I think he's just at a point in his career, and and I compared it to Allen Iverson, where uh, you know he's someone that you know played a specific style of basketball for 12, 13 years, very right. successfully at a very high level. But he is now at the stage of his career where he's lost his athleticism. Last year was one of the worst finishing seasons at the rim. I mean, that's always been Russ's strength, right? Like super athletic, can get to the rim and can finish with the best of them. That was not the case last year. He really struggled. I mean, uh, I, I think it was the LA Times that reported it, but like he had his hand checked out last year uh, because he was missing so many layups. And it was like the, the turnovers and just the, the ball handling stuff. Like he had some legit issues with, with his shot, with his ball handling, with his finishing. Uh, and then defensively, his metrics were awful. I mean, there, there's so many different advanced metrics where he was in like the bottom five league wide, not even at his position, but like league wide. Um, so all, like, yes, he put up 18, seven and seven. Yes, he played more than LeBron and AD, but he had a pretty bad season. You, you can make the case it was his worst or second worst season of his career. And I just don't think he is acknowledging that. And I think it's it's one thing to publicly not acknowledge it, but clearly behind the scenes, he's not really realizing like, if anyone trades for you, it is because of your contract and, and them wanting to get off money and get an asset from the Lakers. It is not because they want you to be the face of the franchise. They want you to be the starting point guard. Like any team that takes him on is facilitating, you know, clearing their, their cap sheet and, and helping the Lakers here. So I, I think he just has not come to terms with it. And it's unfortunate, but I think until he does, like he's just going to kind of keep bouncing around the NBA. This doesn't sound salvageable, salvageable from your end. <laughs> and we're we're seeing <laughs> we've seen uh Chris Haynes report that, you know, Bron, A D and Russ uh, you know, met to try to like get together and, you know, see if they can make this happen. To me, this is the like the number one question before the Lakers can move on forward. the phone. Like it's nineteen eighty seven. You know what I'm saying? Like well, the, the one, the the one thing I want to add to that though, which I, I don't think people are talking about enough. Um and I'm not I'm not knocking Chris at all. So I, I want to be clear with that. But he reported that that was the week the first weekend of Summer League, which that was that Friday was the whole LeBron Russ non interaction at Summer League. Um right. so that call happens, but five days later or, or five, six days later, Russ fires They're his agent sitting, and, yeah. and his agent comes out and says, yeah. you know, basically implies Russ wants to be traded. So like, basically, I, I mean, I, I know that call happened, but I don't know how fruitful the call actually was. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if it, like, like Chris reported it happened and, and it did happen and, and that was a good scoop, right. but like, I, I still think. I don't think that solved everything. It's I, not mutually exclusive that exactly, those two things exactly. could have yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, my, my question is, if this is the, to me, this is the number one issue on the Lakers. You can't move forward until you figure this out. This is a huge like lump in the throat of the Lakers, right? Uh, how, especially, especially considering you have a new coach, right? A brand new head coach. Mm -hmm. and you need to get this thing started right. 
Like, how is this? Is there a path where this is at all salvageable with Russell Westbrook on the team? Yes, but I think it would require Russ having self-awareness and changing his game in a way we've never seen before. So, like, in that hypothetical scenario, yes. And 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 maybe the, the compromise is, like, bringing him off the bench and, and just saying, like, hey, Russ, you, you, know, you do what you do, but it's going to be in a 24-minute bench roll. You're our sixth man. I don't think he goes for that. I don't think, you know, uh, again, like... Man, are you sure... It sounds I don't like think he like does. I, I, like, uh, right? So, are you positive? I, I, I just think, like, if, if we're if we're if you know if we're keeping it real, like the Lakers are playing team as currently constructed, and and they might be like on the low end of the play-in. Like, they might be a nine or ten seed. I, I think really with with looking at how deep the West is, uh, you, you got the Clippers now healthy with Kawhi. You got Denver yeah. coming back with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. Uh, and I like some, you know, adding KCP, Bruce Brown, uh, you, you still got Phoenix kept eight and Golden State's the defending champs, Memphis, Dallas, Minnesota yeah. loaded up, uh, New, yeah. New Orleans is getting Zion back. Like the West is loaded. And yeah. if you compare any of those teams to the Lakers, like, yes, maybe the Lakers have the best one, two or right up there with anybody. But that third spot, that fourth spot, that fifth spot is worse than any of those other teams. Like all those teams have better depth and, and better top end guys aside from the top yeah. two. So the Lakers, like the, I mean, I'm with you guys, like the Lakers I, and, and I wrote it and I, I stand by it. Like, I honestly think they might be just better off if they can't move Russ for uh buddy healed or, or for Kyrie, maybe mm-hmm. you just send him home and, and do a John wall in, in Houston. And like, because the version of Russ from last season, I think is a detrimental player on both sides of the ball. And that, like, if they have that guy again, I, I think they're a nine or ten, you know, maybe an eight seed. But like, they're going to be bad. Uh, I, and and you know, yes, you're losing some. Ta- you're clearly losing talent and, and some offensive production without him. But maybe th- that is a situation where like just not having that toxicity improves your team. And and that's just you know, I, I think that's how I view it, and I think that's how some people with the Lakers view it. Well, two things. Uh, one is, is it possible? Possible. I'm not saying likely. Uh, is it possible that Darvin Ham has a better, you know, will have a better chance of success in convincing Russ to change than Frank Vogel did? I mean, you just you just know going in, that's not going to, Russ ain't going to fly with Frank Vogel. That's not going to work. He's not going to listen to him. You know, like Russ is going to do what Russ wants to do. Does D ham have a better chance of maybe getting him to see a bigger picture than Frank Vogel would, than Frank Vogel did or could possibly do? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, I thought it was important that Russ was there at his intro press conference and yeah. Darwin has done nothing but speak glowingly of Russ and, uh, you know, he, he told Mark Spears that he, he's going to, you know, he, he's got a starting spot for him. So that probably kills the the possibility of him coming off the bench. But uh, he, I mean, but at the same time, I, I think we, we go back to, to Thad's statement and in the statement, he mentions, you know, I'm recommending him stay in LA and take you know, the, and, yeah, the, listen, the oper- to, listen, listen to, to DM, DM, basically, right? Which yeah, again, yeah. if you're kind of reading the the you know subtext there, it's Russell ain't Russ doesn't want to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Russ doesn't want to do that. And, and what right. and what Darvin Ham has been preaching is like almost like a Drew Holiday type role in, in Milwaukee, where he's like, we want Russ to be our point of attack guy, you know, on the ball uh, bulldog, like you know, leading yeah. the defense, and, and then offensively kind of figuring out ways to play around LeBron and AD, and that's just not. He's not going to screen away. Is that what you're telling me? You know, like, (laughs) you know, not since his early OKC days. Um, And I mean, the thing that the the, the thing is too, like two important things. One, Russ promised LeBron and AD all the, like this conversation that they recently had, like they had multiple of those conversations last off season, like before they Mm -hmm. agreed to trade for Russ, they were having these conversations of like, how is it going to work? How is it going to fit? And Russ made certain promises to LeBron and AD that did not come to fruition. And then two, like all of the talk last training camp with the Lakers was, you know, Russ is going to be our defensive guy. Russ is going to play off the ball. Like we're going to use him in different ways. 
none of that happened. He, he had one game <laughs> per second spectrum where he uh, screened more than twice on the ball all season. And it was the third right. game of the season. So it's like Russ right. never changed his game. Yeah, that's Russ was always buy-in, Russ. Baby. So. He was trying. He tried. He tried. He tried. Yeah. And, and, then, right. and then he saw, <laughs> threw up his hands and said, ah! And he saw the one and I two start. You know, the one and two start. And he was like, all right, I, I'm, I'm giving up. <laughs> I'm done. You know, this is so, this is very yeah. like, I mean, you brought up Iverson. Uh, and, you know, I'm very I'm very emotional about Iverson. Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, Iverson's my guy. And I so I can imagine how people feel about Russ. But it feels like this all comes down to 30-something Euro players having to say, hey, man, like, this ain't this ain't five years ago. Like, no, no matter what it is, right? No matter if it's LeBron saying, all right, I got to do something different. Or Russ saying, all right, I got to do something different. That just feels like such a tough set. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, NBA yeah. players oh, in the yeah. 30s, no, they, no, they, they, just exactly. don't, they just don't no, change. They, like, they're all, they, they don't, they're got, they're like, I'm, this is how, this is why I'm here because I've, I don't, this is, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't change. Like, right. You know what I mean? If we had to pick a player who this was going to be like, wouldn't it be Russ? Yes. Like, I, yes. so I don't know yes. why I'm so surprised by this, right? Like, well, I don't right. know why and, I'm and, shocked. And, and DA, he's suck. going to the Hall of Fame because yes. he suffered. Yes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and DA saw it in Washington. Like, I, I think the the thing is, like, Russ is still capable of. He can get you a thirty point triple double, but if you give him the ball and just live with but it, then, but you then know, you're a forty five win. You're, you're forty five win team that's going to lose in the first round. Like we, we've yeah, seen yeah. Si- since KD left. Like that's kind of been the thing. Is like you know, R- Russ can put up his numbers, but you're going to be a six to eight seed that's going to lose in round one and like yeah you know yes he'll, he'll look good he'll, he'll be an all-star all-nba guy but like russ has i mean that, that even going back to the kd days like russ has kind of always struggled to fit into like winning basketball and that that was kind of the thing you know partially with him and kd so right. and then you, you saw in houston they had to go through drastic you know to drastic measures to trade away clint capella yeah. of like we're gonna make russ our center offensively like lakers can't do that they have anthony davis they have lebron james like Right. You know, so I, I just think to me, there's clearly a limitation here. And, and for the Lakers, like if you got to trade both picks, I, I'm on board with just, you know, you only so have Lakers, LeBron for another are, year or two. Picks are irrelevant. Yeah. A year yeah, or two. Yeah. Like, I, let's I go all in. With that, I and, agree with that 1,000%. Let's go the part that's disappointing for me, here's the part that bothers me. Because I feel like Russ is better than his current reputation. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like, like, I agree. I agree. This, I agree. this is this is difficult to watch it's and really, see because people, you, right. yeah. people aren't taking into consideration this, Marcus. Russ is stubborn and all of that. It's still hard to play with LeBron, and nobody will look at it from that point of view. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody acknowledges that no matter who you are, Anthony Davis can't play with LeBron the way he would play in New Orleans. He just it's hard. Not. It's not bad. It's just hard. That's all. That's what, That's I'm, saying. what I'm saying. One of them got to yeah. change, but it's a lot to ask. Yeah. But the part that frustrates me about Russell Westbrook is because he clearly has the ability. But at some point, you, you figured something was switched to make him say, I want to win a championship. And everybody who has made that switch and got that in yes. their head, you know where they changed? On defense. <laughs> they all said, you know what? <laughs> I want to win a championship. Let me get after it on defense. Let me get after it like I never have before. I mean, and you know, I know it'll probably burn them up using this comparison, but you watch Steph fight on defense. And if you got that from Russell Westbrook, your your team changes dramatically. Like you said, I mean, the uh Drew Drew Holiday, obviously he's not Drew Holiday, but it's the fight on defense yeah. where it's like, man, if you just do that part, like you can do that part, like physically you mm-hmm. can do it. And also like it will change the entire dynamic of your role. If you got people who look at you differently, if you lock in on defense, the fact that he didn't, that switch has to flip is the disappointing part for me because I do feel like Russ is way better than his reputation. Like, like what you just said about Russell, like, come on, man. It's all true. It's all true. This is a terrible season. But it hurts you. It hurts, man. Like, this is Russ. Right. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Right, that's Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. And, and really, like that's why. I mean, to begin with, like the Lakers just shouldn't have made this trade, and, and it, it never made Facts. sense. And, Facts. and you know, like I, I think you know we we haven't talked about it more from the Lakers' perspective, but from Russ's perspective, like he just was never going to fit around LeBron anyway. So like you, you're setting yeah. him up for failure by asking him to do things that he's never really done, and, and partially isn't capable of doing. Like he's just he. He's not a good shooter. Like, you know, we have a yeah. sample size of 14 years of he's not a good shooter. And when you play with LeBron, there is a certain level of off ball play that, you you know, off ball activity that you, you just, just have, have to put to up have. with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Russ, yeah. as a non-shooter, just, you know, messes up the spacing. So, like, that, yeah. you know, the fit was never there to begin with. And, and that's why this trade never made, you know, I said it from day one, the trade never made sense. I think it played out worse than any of us expected. Like, I, you know, the Lakers were still the West favorites last year, e- even with yeah. the trade. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's also Russ was kind of set up to fail with the way yeah. that this team is constructed. Yeah. We talked to me and Marcus talked about this on the show last week. And <laughs> I still, I still have yet to see anybody write this. Like, yeah, the Lakers, they got younger. No doubt. No doubt. They got Troy Brown and they got Lonnie Walker and they got JTA. They drafted Max Christie. None of those dudes can shoot. Oh, no. I, <laughs> none, I, I, none of those I, dudes can shoot. I wrote, I, wrote, I, I said uh, <laughs> after like my free agency recap, I was like, this might be the worst shooting team in the NBA. Like it's crazy. Like <laughs> LeBron was the old, uh, like even taking Max Christie's college percentage in. Uh, LeBron right, was the thirty-two percent on yeah. threes. You know what I mean. <laughs> LeBron was the only guy last season that shot above league average. League average last year on threes was thirty-five point four percent. Troy Brown was yeah. right at thirty-five point four, so a league average shooter. But LeBron was the one. Like, if LeBron's the best guy, shooter on your roster, right. that's a problem, right? You know, and, yes. and we've seen in Miami, in Cleveland, like even in LA, that that the one year they won the title, like LeBron succeeds with a spaced floor of multiple guys yes. who can shoot. 36 to 40 percent forget lebron we're watching the basket we're watching basketball teams we're literally watching teams win and all the good teams have shooting like they mu- not, and, and multiple shooting yeah, like, i wrote early in the summer too like if you go back through i think it was the first post dallas so re- really that first miami season that they won the title that there's been this shift with, with the three-point shooting where every team that has won the championship has been top 10 in attempts and percentage. The one exception, there's two exceptions. Uh, One was the San Antonio team, but they shot much better in the playoffs. Remember they had that dominant postseason run. And then the other exception was the Lakers with LeBron and AD. But those two, I mean, AD was just at such a high, I mean, they might've been the two best players in the league that season in in the postseason. So like wet all postseason. It was crazy. So like, (laughs) right, right, right. right. We have a sample size now of of a decade of, you need elite three point shooting to win in in the postseason. And the Lakers don't have that. So again, like maybe they're six seed, maybe they're a seven seed that they sneak in. They upset someone. I don't know. They get Minnesota or or whoever in, in round one, they upset them. But like, they're not a contender with this current roster. I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand. You just saw it happen last year that they could not shoot and it destroyed LeBron's effectiveness. So given a second chance, why would you? Now, Thomas Bryant's a good shooter for a big man. You know what I mean? But it, yeah, he's, it's, you had to put he's that not qualifier a high volume shooter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't <laughs> I just don't, I don't understand how they make these moves and, and say we're better. Like, 
that you're not better because you still the floor I mean, is still the, the one still thing I'll say is 1982 in the paint in LA. A, a running know? joke on Lakers Twitter is how many guys from last season's team aren't currently signed, and if you go through the list, it's like Avery Bradley, Mello, Dwight, uh, Kent yeah. Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza. Uh, so like. There are a lot of guys from last year's roster, and, and most of those guys started at some point, even you know double yeah. digit games. So like I, I think in that sense, like they have able bodies, <laughs> so they, they don't right. have like the thirty five year olds who can barely move. So I, I think in that sense, they they have actual guys who can play defense, get out in transition. Like they're they're, they're better in that sense. But if I'm playing the Lakers, I'm packing the paint, and it's just like okay, yeah. fu- fu- you know, yeah. let whoever you want shoot as many threes as they want, but like. LeBron, AD, you guys aren't going downhill. You're not getting to the rim. And that's what teams did last year. And they just missed open three after open three. You know right. what What it feels like the Lakers could really use? And this is this would be great for you, by the way. Second year on the beat, uh, flying solo. They need somebody who they didn't expect to turn into a star. They need a, they need a Jordan Poole out of nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we got a piece now. Um who who who's the best chance for that? Right? Is it is it Austin is Reeves? Austin maybe? Reeves, Taylor. Is Kendrick yeah. Nunn gonna come back here and show us what they <laughs> were missing last year? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, who, who do you think is the best chance to to just not? I'm not saying become an all star, but a player who just yeah. plays above expectation to give them something else. I think the three guys I'd look at are Austin, Taylor, and Lonnie Walker. Uh, I think. I wrote it like I think Lonnie might have been the the worst taxpayer mid-level signing. If you just look <laughs> like he shot. I mean, we're talking about shooting. He shot 31% last year on threes and, and he was he was up to like, I think, 37% post all-star break. But again, another guy who like, like he's supposed to kind of be the Malik Monk on this team. But Malik shot 40%. The, the year yeah. before coming to the Lakers and, and shot almost right. 40% last year again. So, I mean, he shot, what did he shoot, 38 last yeah, year, like which he, is fine, right? Malik right. was really good. Yeah. That, that was, that was yeah. the yeah. Lakers' best offseason signing. But um, yeah. I think Lonnie has some un- untapped potential. He's a guy who, uh, you know, very athletic, that does kind of have some similarity with Malik. So that, that's one guy uh, I, I would look at. But I know Austin, I recently wrote, you know, he's bulked up, uh, gained about 10, 12 pounds this offseason. Really working on his three point shot. Uh, at one point in college, it was a top three shooter in the country. So you got to think that he's not going to shoot 31, 32%. 31 again. looks crazy for him, by the way. Like, yeah, you just like, watch and, him shoot. And, he doesn't look like a 31% shooter. And he started, he had a really rough, uh, I think he started, he also was like 37, 38% through January and then had a two month stretch there where he was 27% and just couldn't make anything. So he said he hit the rookie wall. His, his, I mean, he was a guy who's. 197 at at 65 so pretty thin he, he's gained some weight gained some muscle so I, I think he's another guy and then Taylor is still only 21 going to be 22 at the beginning of the season like Lakers put a, a lot of money in him you know they invested a mm-hmm. lot and uh we've seen it in flashes we, we've seen especially in the preseason he, he looks like an all-star in the preseason uh but he's a guy that has to get better defensively has to be more consistent on that end and then also his shot I mean he, he's, he might be the the worst shooter of all the perimeter guys uh, even throwing <laughs> Russ in there. So like if he can get that to at least close to league average, he he's someone who could be a rotation guy, but uh yeah, I mean they, they need someone to pop and and they might even need a couple because again, this this roster is better, but they won 33 games last year. So there was a there's a long way to go. In a down West Conference, yeah. in a Western Conference that was down last year, you know. Um and let's let's to Marcus's point though, is it possible Let's look at it a different way. Is it possible that they could play a style because they do have length? Mm-hmm. I'll give them that. They're longer. Yeah. Is it possible that they could be kind of a switchy junk defense, try to turn you over, get out and score in transition as opposed to trying to slug it out in the half court? Is that possible with the group they've got? I think so. Uh, you know, for, from what I've heard, Darwin is implementing a lot of what Milwaukee did and Milwaukee was a bit more of a conservative defense and kind of we're going to funnel you to the paint where we have Brooke, drop coverage yeah, yeah drop yeah. and and you know we got, we got Brooke Lopez and, and Giannis back there so you, you can envision it uh it does sound like they're probably going to start with most likely Thomas Bryant and, and AD 
and then that's given you a couple guys, 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of recreate that 2019-20 blueprint that they had. So I think they're going to try to do some of those things. But again, you kind of look at the roster and you're like, 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 I guess Troy Brown's another one where I think he has some of the characteristics of a 3 and D guy. He has shot the ball around league average. Defensively, he's got the tools, but like we haven't seen it consistently. He's been in smaller roles, you know, in Chicago yeah. coming out of Washington. Uh, so you got a firsthand look at him, but like he's someone that maybe, you know, is still 22. Like I think he's right. got some potential, but yeah, I mean, like JTA is, is going to go from like the, the 12th dude on the Warriors to like maybe being <laughs> the Lakers, like third big, <laughs> like, you know, like they're, right, they're just right. in a weird spot right now. So they're asking like, Whatever we see from next year's team, it's a lot of guys that like have played smaller roles that are going to be thrust into bigger roles. And that could go one of two ways, right? Like someone could show you something that they've never shown before, or some of these guys could be uh, a little out of their comfort zone in playing 25 minutes when they've always been like a 12 minute a night guy. So I guess to get back to the defense, like I think there's there's potential there. I wouldn't be surprised if they're better defensively than offensively, to be honest, with uh, some of the just the limitations they have offensively currently. Is this LeBron's last year in L.A.? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm going to say no, but I, I think the it really depends on Russ and the season that they have. Uh, I, I think if they keep Russ... and Because look, like the Lakers can say whatever they want publicly. Behind the scenes, they want to trade Russ. If, if they could keep their Man, LeBron and, just and said he felt like he was by himself out there. He wished he played golf. <laughs> Like, <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> yeah. So like, they want to flip Russ, and if if they stand, and, and you know, a big haggling thing is, you know, haggle point is how many picks do we give up? Do we give up one pick? Do we give up two picks? How valuable are our picks? Uh, I think if they stand pat and, and basically punt on this season, because again, as we're saying here, like this is a playing team as currently constructed, and and that's not going to fly with LeBron. I could see him potentially leaving. Uh, n- next off season, but my my expectation what, okay. is they're going to flip Russ at some point, and and you know assuming they get Kyrie or Buddy Healed or or a decent package back for him, I think that's probably enough to satisfy LeBron and, and keep him in LA. But I really think it's it's going to come down to what do they do with Russ and what type of season do they end up having, and if they keep Russ and they have another thirty something win season or, or even low forties like. I think that opens the door to LeBron potentially leaving. Okay, but seriously, serious question: Where would LeBron go? Sir, like, that's the question. I mean, uh, uh, Cleveland, Golden State, go, uh, no, Golden no, State, Golden State for the, for the, for the taxpayer MLE. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll never say never, but Cleveland. Look, I, I don't think Cleveland. Cleveland's like, you know what? We're good. <laughs> Yeah, I have to pull up their, ca- their, their cap sheet. But Garland and all our guys. Mo- we, I mean, we, we, him, Mobley, Garland, and Allen would be quite the, the quartet. I, I know, but, you know. They, uh, what about the place he that? already been to? Well, Miami. I was going to say, but but he napalmed. He and Riles napalmed hey, one another. There's, the there, there's the nothing. So did, so did he and uh, so did, uh, so did he and Dan, Dan Gilbert. Gilbert. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's true. That's true. That's true. Hey. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I suppose. I just think I don't think it's as cut and dried as we think it might be. To your point, like it would have been five years ago. I mean, I th- there are more teams with cap space. Like n- next off season is a big, uh, right? You know, cap space summer. Plus, so. if he says you got, I, you have to bring Bronny in here in three years or whenever Bronny's you, eligible. You know, who, like, you know who do that in a heartbeat, especially yeah. if he takes the mid level New York Knicks. Yeah. Hmm. That's not a bad call. That's not a bad call. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think yeah. to be clear, I think he he's still I, I still think he's gonna stay, but I do think if they have a repeat of last season or, or something similar, that is where 
that that opens that door of just I don't know if I can win another championship here. I don't want any of you guys to worry because I can assure you after being on Instagram this morning, that help is on the way. We've already seen okay. it. It's happening. I'm going to break this news right now. You're going to you write go. the go story, ahead. but I'm going to break it. Dennis is coming back. He already asked <laughs> LeBron. Oh. <laughs> he just got through begging LeBron on Instagram. <laughs> that's the help you need right there, baby. That's all I'm <laughs> but, but honestly, I mean, like, I, I think that that's where they pivot if, like, if the rust situation isn't resolved, like maybe you just, you send him home and, and you sign Dennis or, or you sign whoever yeah, the top man. point guard is and say like, we're rolling with Kendrick and, and Dennis. And again, on paper, yeah. I think it's a step back, but I, I think there's a chance that the, the, the spirit of the team is, is better than it was last year. Is season. a buyout off the table? If you just go. Yeah. Just because the, the Lakers are mom and pop shop and they're not going to do that. They're not going to cash crazy. out. Yeah. I, you know what you say that? And I know what you're saying. They got three billion dollars in local TV money. It's, yeah. it's just—it's impossible that they're a mom and pop organization. They may not have a lot of people in their organization. Well, but I they mean, can't possibly be cash poor they, they, at this stage. They don't, they don't got that Chase Center money. nobody has Chase Center. Nobody's doing. Give it to him again. What's, Marcus? Give it to me again because I couldn't believe what you said. Eight hundred million revenue. Jeez. That's crazy. That's a, Who's number two? Like what what's the gap between one? Do you know the gap between one and two? Uh, I think four is two. Yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be several hundred million dollars because I gotta think the Lakers are number two, aren't they? I mean probably. Yeah. You know, well, who had? No, I think Boston might have had a good, a big. Oh, maybe, run maybe yeah, Boston. Yeah, and Knicks are always tickets. up there, yeah. and Chicago's always up there. But still, it's got to be several hundred million dollars. That's crazy. God, <laughs> <laughs> Yovan, thank you, man. Thank you for jumping in, man. Appreciate it. Uh, love to talk. Um, listen to him on his podcast. It's a, it's a great listen for the new NBA. Read him in the Athletic. Killing it on the Lakers beat, man. Hey, man, can I get on stargazing? You feel me? You don't know, you know what I'm saying? I'll bring you on. You know what I'm saying? I got what a story got? to tell. <laughs> Marcus has I got, I got a story. I Mark, Marcus has some things. You know what I'm saying? I ain't happen. in L.A., but I've been there. <laughs> Leave that five-star review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get this fine American podcast. Now, look, these, these fools are about to go on vacation. Can't leave five stars. What do they need to do? Keep it to yourself, you haters. We're going to talk about you like they talk about Russ. Like they talk about Dennis. Running back, question mark. Knocked up 100 million. Keep it to yourself, you haters.